I want to add my word of welcome to all of you uh, this morning. It's always an honor, humbling thing to see you all be here and come. And uh, I was talking to Jason this morning earlier before this service and so grateful what God has done in his life and in his family. And just keeps bringing his family to church. You know, that's a good thing, isn't it? It's just a new follower of Christ. It's transformed his life and he's here. And he's here with his kids and we just give God praise for that. And uh, we're going to talk just a little bit about that, about that, how that kind of commitment and resolve just runs against the grain of everything out there that's swirling around us. So um, thank you, Jason. Thank you, all of you, um, for being here and for being a part of this, this time. I want to invite you to turn with me um, in the Word of God this morning to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Really grateful to Pastor Brett who walked us through some great passages from the Old Testament bridge to the New as we thought about the Incarnation in our four Sundays of Advent. And um, so we're thankful for that, the ministry of the Word of God, that holiday season. And I want to say to all of you today, all of you, um, I said this in our first service, thank you for everything you all did in so many ways up front, behind the scenes, somewhere in the middle, in every aspect to help us celebrate the birth of Christ and accomplish the work of the ministry here during the Christmas season. God was so powerful and we felt his favor in so many ways, but I know, I know it's because all of you stepped up and served in so many ways and I just want to say thank you. Um, really from the bottom of my heart. And it was great to see the body of Christ just doing the work that God has called us to do. And, and we give God praise for that. We're only three days away from the possibility of a new year. We don't want to presume upon God, of course, because he can do anything. He gives us life. He gives us days. He gives us years. And um, that is his way, and he is sovereign, and he is always good, and he's always faithful. So we don't want to presume upon him, of course, but just perhaps if things go as they did last year, in just a couple of days, a new year will dawn. It'll be 2014. It's remarkable, isn't it? Um, we're just a couple of days away from that, and I think it's always a good thing for each of us, individually, as families, as a congregation together, as God gives us this opportunity each time it happens to reflect. To take some time and allow God to speak into our world. To speak down into our lives, into our passions, into our commitments and our priorities and all of these things. And, and perhaps influence us in other directions. Maybe he set a course for your life last year as you sought out his guidance and his will. He's probably provided for you in remarkable ways. He's shown himself faithful. He's really worthy of just a couple of days of reflection. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. But to do that, we want to anchor it in a passage in the New Testament. And that is Matthew chapter 15. So if you're there, that's great. We'll go there in just a moment. The day that we're going to look at here in the scriptures began like most other days began. It was hot and dry in the Judean basin. And word had begun to spread that this kind of bizarre prophet, 
the one who insisted on preaching on the margins of the community, literally on the outskirts in the Judean desert, John the Baptist, they called him. He was unshaven, likely had matted hair, wearing animal skin for clothing. He had been executed. His voice silenced by a political majority. So it was back to religion as usual. He was sanctioned. No fresh calling to holiness or righteousness, no more challenge against the hedonistic, self-absorbed ways of religious people kind of busying themselves with religious practices, but few actually practicing genuine religion. All of that was gone along with John's head. He was gone because of his message. And though he drew huge crowds, according to the witness of the New Testament, probably in this day, that would not occur. I mean, what would you do if you were invited into the palace of the ruling governor of all of the area? What would you say? What would you say if you had platform with the king? How about if somehow, in God's sovereign plan, you were invited to speak to the United States Senate, and you were in that august chamber. And you could say whatever you wished. Or maybe even the, the Oval Office. <laughs> what would you say? <sighs> this is nice. Man, this is where all our text, this is nice. <laughs> Man, I appreciate you keeping things nice. You know, we're slugging it out out there and giving our time. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President, for, you know, maybe get a little taken by all that. And thank you for having a heart for health care. Appreciate that. Thank you for thinking that all the way through. Good job. Do you know what John the Baptist said when he stood before Herod, invited into the palatial palace of Herod's kingdom? He looked that king in the eye and he said, in the name of God, it is not right for you to be with your brother's wife. So they killed him. How about that? Uncle Cy. That guy willing to trade a billion dollar contract to speak the truth. Not bad. I know the last time I saw a preacher on CNN when they asked him the same question, they invited him back to be a national correspondent. I mean, there's something about the nature of the human heart that Jesus wants to put his finger on this morning. Let's look at this story. The beginning of Matthew chapter 15, Scripture says that some Pharisees and teachers 
of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. (laughs) Now, is that the kind of question you would ask the living creator God of the universe if you had audience with him? Why aren't your disciples following our rules? I mean, they're not washing their hands before they eat. You see, for them it was all about the externals. It was all about keeping the rules. It had everything to do with the veneer of religion and nothing to do with the heart. And Jesus replied, Well, why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? You want to talk about tradition. I want to talk to you about what God has said. Now, that's a different perspective. Because more often than not, man-made human traditions and regulations and rules have nothing to do with what God has revealed. They're not even commanded in his word. And that's why Jesus went there. You want to talk about rules? Let me talk about commands. He changed the equation. He says... For instance, God says, honor your father and mother. That's a command. It's in the scriptures. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. See, this was their tradition. This is something they had added on and they made up. They completely disregarded the command of God, which is when you are in the presence of your parents, you speak respectfully. And if you do not, you will pay a heavy price. In this way, you you don't need to honor their parents. And you say, cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites. (laughs) Wow. How about that? Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, now listen to this, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. He went right to the issue. This is not an issue of washing hands, keeping rules and regulations. It's not an issue of exteriors. It's not an issue of pretense and veneer. This is a matter of the heart. If you are here this morning, for whatever reason you're here, out of obligation or duty or because of great devotion and affection for the Lord Jesus or because someone has invited you to come or your mother just absolutely has insisted you be here, regardless of the reason you are here in this place today, you need to know the only thing the Lord is looking at is your heart. The only thing. So we want to see what matters to him. To do that, I want to go to an Old Testament passage, Proverbs chapter 4. So hold your finger or 
put a piece of paper or whatever you do on your iPod or device and hold that place and go over to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. This, of course, is the wisdom of Solomon as he is depositing down into the life of his son, trying to prepare him to tee him up for successful, godly living all the days of his life. That is the force of Proverbs and all of Solomon's writing particularly. But in this passage, it's quite striking. He's talking to his son, and in Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 20, he kind of warms to his point. Listen to what he says. My child, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. If you're a parent here, can, you, can I get a witness do you wish you had $100 for every time you expressed those very words, right? Wouldn't that be great? Listen to me. That's a good thing. It's a good thing for parents to say. It's even better when the kids do it. Don't lose sight of these words, Solomon says. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. See, there's the issue. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. There is a transforming impact of this kind of godly wisdom when it makes its way into the deep recesses of the human heart and takes hold. And here's what he says, verse 23, guard your heart above all else. Now, he's not talking about your physical heart. There's plenty of great information out there about how you can take care of your ticking heart. And you ought to pay attention to that too. Okay? That's probably less um, Chick-fil-A and chocolate milkshakes and a whole lot more of salad and cucumbers. That's just reality. A little bit of exercise along the way. Some laughter. Good night's sleep. You're good to go. He's talking about the inner you. The inner margins of who you are. Guard that above all else for it determines the course of the rest of your life. How's that? This is a matter of the heart. And Jesus, in his response to these, uh, these hypocritical Pharisees, changed the equation of religion, tradition, ministry, activity, anything humanly external never add up, adds up to righteousness. But bringing him and his wisdom and his truth into the margins of my life, into the deeper places of my heart. Now that's what can make a difference. That's what can set my destiny firmly in place. And Christ, you see, doesn't simply desire occasional access. Like a tourist. <laughs> kind of in and out. Or maybe a, a great aunt who comes for the holiday and, and we nicely entertain her and, and, and hope she eventually leaves after three or four days. No, he wants to own your heart. That's the desire of Christ. He wants to own it. And so Solomon says to his son, pay attention to the heart. What's all this fuss about washing hands and all that? Pay attention to your heart because that's what's going to determine the course of your life. Now he gets specific. Look what he says. First of all, avoid all perverse talk and stay away from corrupt speech. How about that? Listen, this, this is the stuff that comes out of your mouth. Watch that. In, the, in, the, in another translation, it says, avoid a crooked, a crooked mouth. 
saying one thing out of this side and another thing out of that side. That, that's deception. That, that comes from a heart that is, that is nearly diabolical. It's insidious. It, it's trying to manipulate a situation or an individual for its own good. That's deception. Avoid that, he says. He says, also t- t- stay away from corrupt speech. This is language. This is implications and innuendos and words, you see, that are dishonoring to Almighty God and everyone around you. Just stay away from that stuff. Don't even let it come into your ear gate. Certainly don't let it come out of your mouth. Look straight ahead. I like that. Stay focused. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Make sure you've got a target out there that's worthy and keep your eyes on that. Listen, there's a lot of stuff for you to keep, put your eyes on that'll lead you right down a path to destruction. Don't put your eyes on that stuff. Keep your eyes fixed straight on the things of the Lord, the things that matter, the things that are worthy, you see. Keep a straight gaze. The King James says, keep your eyelids focused straight. That's vivid, isn't it? Isn't that good? <laughs> right down the middle. That's focus. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. This isn't about kind of living a boring life without risk. That's not what he's talking about. This has to do with integrity and, and virtue. Keep on a straight path. Watch where your feet go. It matters to God. Where you hang out and where you frequent and the things you do and the, the place your feet take you. Listen, that, those are evidences of what's going on in your heart. And so it matters to God. And he says, stay on the right path. Watch where your feet go. I was having a great conversation with uh, a dad of one of, uh, one of Jacob's friends this, over the weekend. We were just kind of laughing about getting old and blah, 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 you know, all this other stuff. And we, thought, we were talking about cell phones because everybody wants a phone. All the kids, you know, they want phones, and they don't want just a little, you know, cheap, wad, dumb phone. They, they want the, the works, right? And so kids are, burp, burp, doop, doop, burp, everything going on, you know, and just all this stuff with phones. And he said to me, and it dawned on me, I couldn't believe it. He said, man, when I was a kid, nobody knew where I was. And I thought, you're right. That was with me too. Man, when I was a kid, we say, I'm going, we're going to friends out. Okay, well, we're going. Nobody knew where I was. There were no cell, they couldn't track me. You know, they didn't say text me when you get there or, you know, kind of find you on the radar or send me a whatever or I'll watch you on Instagram. None of that. I was just out, I had to be home when the street lamps came on. Now, you say street lamps to my son Jacob, he looks at you with a blank stare. No, no, street lamp. I had to be home when the lights came on because they came on automatically at dark. And I'm telling you what, if I didn't get home when the street lamps came home, I saw headlamps from my dad's 74 Chevy Impala because he found me. And when I saw them headlamps, it was too late. But there was an expectation there had been something set in me that I would guard where my feet went. It mattered. Remember that song years ago, Oh, be careful little feet where you go. Oh, be careful little feet where you go. 
For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Now, if you remember that song, I'm glad you're here and still able to breathe and walk and everything else. I know that's an old one. But here's the point. You may think you're out there and nobody knows what you're doing and it's all cool. But I'm here to tell you, you're not thinking straight. Because the Lord creator, God of the universe, has got his gaze firmly fixed on you and what matters to him is your heart. So guard it. Guard it. What's going on deep inside you is going to set the course, your destiny, not only here on this planet, but to eternity future. So don't you think it's worth a couple of days reflection before 2014 dawns for you to figure that out. I think it is. Now back to our story. Matthew 15. Let's just watch how this unfolds and then we'll close with a couple of things. Hopefully will be encouraging to you. Jesus said in verse 8, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It was all about the externals. Their worship is a farce. There was nothing deep about them. They, they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. That's all about religion. Has nothing to do with God. Then Jesus called to the crowd and, and said, come and hear this. Listen, Jesus pretty much turned his back on that judgmental, pharisaical group of people, that small, little, narrow, kind of judgmental group of elders and Pharisees. He just turned his back. Now he's going to talk to the crowd because he wants them to get the truth. He's done with this little group over here influencing the whole lot. He wants them to hear the truth. So he gathers to them the crowd and he says, listen and try to understand. Now listen to this, folks. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth and everything else. Did you hear that? It's not what's going into you that is the problem. It's what's coming out of your heart. That's the problem. The problem it is what's deep within your heart. That's what puts you in peril with God. That's what can set your eternal course is what's coming out of your heart. It's not all these other things. You see, for these people, it was all about just what they said about God. Oh, I believe in God. There was, a, there was kind of a gentle, very um, polite nod to the things of the Lord, but there was no devotion. There was no genuine piety, no affection. There's commitment, oh yes, and of course efficiency, certainly drive and activity, enthusiasm, all of those things that come with being a part of religion, but no devotion, no death to self. It was all pretense. It was about the externals. And Jesus said, listen, that's not the problem. The problem what's, is not what's out there. The problem is what's in here. And that's true still today. Listen, our problem is not culture. Culture is not the villain. That, that, that is kind of the rule and the understanding of the day, but it is not the truth. The villain is the heart. 
Culture is objective. Culture is an avenue. Culture is a deliverer, an embracer, <clears throat> a capitalizer and developer on everything that comes out and is given to it by the human heart. And so he, he calls these people on their, their ways. And by the way, the disciples, they weren't very deep either. If you'll just go back a couple of paces, the disciples came to him, verse 12, and he says, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Even his disciples were more concerned about the fact that these judgmental Pharisees were offended by the truth than about what was actually being communicated to them by God. People who aren't deep, people who, people who are all about externals, people who are all about rules and regulations, they are, they are so easily offended by the truth. And when they are forced to examine themselves rather than to take to heart, they get offended. And Jesus had no time for that type of righteousness. And so he's forced to get vivid. He wants to draw them a picture. Look at verse 13. Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. That's vivid, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a nice picture of a garden. If you're looking out across your garden and you've invested, you've, you've planted some beautiful flowers or some vegetables, and all of a sudden you see this scraggly little thing kind of coming up out of the ground, you know it's not supposed to be there. So what eventually happens? It gets weeded out. That's the image there. Things that are not of God, like Pharisaism and legalism and all these other rules and regulations, he's going to pluck that stuff right out. Don't even pay attention to it. It's not even supposed to be there. That's a nice picture. It's gentle. They still don't get it. So he goes on. It's a little more has a little more of an edge to it. Verse 14. So ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one bl blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. That's vivid, isn't it? We used to ski up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and I can remember um, the, the, the ski hill decided that they were going to allow blind skiers to ski. I know what's going through your mind. It's hard enough to ski when you can see, and when you got snowboarders <laughs> flying by you, you know, three-year-olds with no poles, and everything. it's just crazy out there if you're skiing. Now you got blind skiers. But what they did is they put someone who could see in front of the blind skier and they attached a tether to them and so you had someone who could ski that was skiing in front of the person who couldn't see but wanted to ski. So it worked. But can you imagine if the person that was tethered in the front to the person that was tethered in the back and they were both blind? That's trouble. That's the image of people who are all about religion, all about externals, all about rules, all about regulations, all about preferences. You know what you're like? You're like a blind skier leading a blind skier down a slippery slope. All you're going to do is hurt people. Now that's vivid. Well, they still didn't get it. So... He has to get even more vivid. Peter said, well, explain the parable to us that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. 
So verse 16, don't you understand yet, Jesus said. And he said, okay. Verse 17, look, what, read it in your scriptures if you got it. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes out into the sewer. Okay, now you just, all you have to do is use your imagination to understand what Jesus is talking about there. Right? You go out to Chinese buffet, you slop that stuff into your mouth, you swallow it down, it goes down into your gizzard, something happens chemically down in your stomach, it gets broken down, it ends up down into your intestines, and you just take it from there. And I'm here to tell you, if you're sitting here this morning, that, you know that that just happens every day. And Jesus is saying, that is not the problem. Stuff that goes into you is going to eventually come out. What matters is what's already there before it comes out. What is in your heart today? What are you filling the white spaces of your life with, the margins? What, what are your plans? What is your agenda? What are your priorities? Where are you going to invest in 2014? What is going to be your activity? What are you going to focus your gaze on? Uh, on which path are you going to walk? Where are you going to put your feet if God gives you another day or another week or another year of living, what do I hear most when I'm, when I'm near you or around you or you're near me or around me or listening to us talk? What, what fills our minds and our activities? That, that's what's in your heart. Are there inner moments? Are there tender hours and, 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 and precepts and truths that are coming from an intimate relationship with Christ? His tender mercies toward you, where he's met you in his word, where he's delivered you from a, a dark kind of motive or, 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 or an ill a kind of determined pattern of thought or some a critical spirit, whatever it might be. Are, is this the witness of your heart? This is what matters to God. He doesn't care what you drive. He doesn't care what you wear necessarily. He doesn't even care where you live. What, he ma what matters to him is your heart. Now to see what this looks like, I'm so thankful that Matthew, under the inspiration of the Spirit, included this story to follow. In Matthew, it's also in Matthew chapter 15. This, this is truth applied. Look at verse 21. Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus is in motion. He's just dealt with these Pharisees. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him. <laughs> now this is, this is real life. This is a woman who has no categories for God. She's a Gentile. She has not had the benefit of religion. She's probably been wounded by it, but she's not had the benefit of, of these great deposits of truth. 
She's never read a Christian book. She's never listened to Christian radio. She's never been to a Bible conference, nothing. She's a Gentile. She's out there. She has no categories. But what she does know is she's desperate. And she's desperate because she's a mom. And she's a mother of a daughter, a teenage daughter. Anybody's attention yet? Yeah, that's more like it. And it's a teenage daughter who has gotten involved in such a horrifying, dark, occultish place that she is now vexed in her spirit. And the scripture says she is possessed by a demon. And I find it interesting that this woman, this Canaanite woman, she did not make her way to the religious establishment and find her way to that little cowering group of elders, the Pharisees, and all their judgmental thoughts and attitudes. She didn't come to them. She made her way to Jesus. And the scripture says she left all pretense, she broke all convention, and she cried out to him for mercy on behalf of her daughter. That's when everything changed. <laughs>